Hi everyone and welcome back to 21 Questions, the podcast where we tackle 21 big questions about life, faith and Christianity in about 20 minutes during 2021. Yeah, my name is Rich Jones. I'm a pastor at Living Rock Church, have been for the last 16 years. And this is my good friend and colleague, Mike Shooter, who's been working with the youth for the last 10 years or so and is part of the leadership team at Living Rock. Welcome to episode four, the whole series of four. We are on episode four already. Um, The whole series of 21 questions will be available on our YouTube channel, Living Rock Church. And we have set up a 21 questions playlist so they're easy to find. You can also get audio only versions if you want to listen to these on your commute or while you're around the house. um, If you are still in lockdown like we all are. Um, and uh, you can just search 21 questions or you can head over to livingrock.church forward slash 21 questions and you can find everything you need there. But all of the links you could ever need will be in the description. Last week, we talked about why am I here? And the conclusion for us as Christians that we come to with that, um, to why we're here, if, if you were to summarize that, is that we're here to find God and live for the purpose he's created us for. And you can go check it, uh, check that out for more um, for more of a comprehensive answer to that. Um, <laughs> we could but, have done that in 30 seconds, mate. What were we playing I know, at? what have we spent 20 minutes doing in the last one? <laughs> but if as Christians we believe that we're here, in short, for God, then how can we prove that God actually exists? And that is our question for this week. Yeah, and it's a question that, I think is asked a lot. Um, yeah. How can you know there's a God? How can you be so sure there's a God? I have really good friends that uh, some who are agnostic, some who are atheists. So, you know, some aren't sure, some who definitely don't believe that God is real. And I think they struggle with my certainty that I do believe that, that God exists. Mm. And um, I think some of that, particularly in the West, so America, Canada, Western Europe, that postmodern way of thinking that says, you know, that, all truth is relative. There aren't any absolutes. Um, although, of course, that statement is in itself an absolute, but let's not get into that right now. But I think they struggle with that sense of, no, I'm, I'm certain that there is a God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the postmodern way of looking at things probably struggles with that concept a little bit. Um, and then, uh, you know, you get other questions like, well, if God is real, why hasn't he made himself more obviously known? You know, why hasn't mm-hmm. he come down wearing a, maybe I'm, I'm a God, I'm God t-shirt or something with an arrow pointing up to his beard, um, waving his arms and showing us he exists. And that's definitely a question people ask. Or or um, the other one that actually I think comes through in some of the comments that we've had already on our uh, videos is science has proven God doesn't exist. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. And, you know, and I think so. So those three things are probably leveled and, and, and raised various legitimacies as to why people struggle with the fact that we could sit here and say we believe God exists. Yeah. And in some ways, the the, the really quick answer to this question is that we can't. Don't we switch can't, off. <laughs> don't switch off. No, <laughs> we can't prove that God exists um, in the same way that you can't prove he doesn't. We're not sitting here saying, OK, during this 20 minutes, we're going to give you a two plus two equals four answer mm-hmm. to why God exists. But actually, there is evidence that needs to be examined. People often think that Christianity or faith is a, is a leap of faith when actually it's more of a step of faith in the same way that each of us have to make a step of faith to believe there's no God Um, because there is a logical basis for Christianity and that's what we're exploring. And then faced with this evidence, then each of us has to make our own judgment on that. Yeah. And I don't think we focus so much on the, 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 
the reasons why people don't believe as in we most sort of want to pick up the, the points that they have and and, mm. and look at that um and and just maybe explore some of those things and so we're going to probably today cover quite a few things quite superficially i suppose but then we can come back to things uh, later on so today is kind of more snorkeling across the top rather than scuba diving down to any great depths yeah absolutely but i think that's actually quite helpful because if you think of this situation as almost like a courtroom, um, you know, you have your opening statements and then you dig into each bit of detail. And that can be quite helpful because no court case rests solely on one thing. So, mm. for example, in this situation, we can't look at only science and say this is the evidence for or against God. Actually, we need to look at witness statements. We need to look at DNA. You know, it's, it's like in the way that you would do that with a courtroom is the same mm. way that we'll look at science. We'll look at Jesus. We'll look at the Bible, history, um, the, the evidence of, you know, the, the witness statements of Christians, because yeah. all of that has something to say, um, which when you look at it together, that's the weight of evidence that you're looking and making a judgment on, not just yeah. one thing. Yeah, definitely. And and so I suppose I think it'd be good to start with science. Yeah. Um, um because for me, in some ways, the, the fact that there is science and the fact that there are mathematics, that there are um origins of life and, and biology, the fact that we have biology, chemistry, physics, maths, laws yeah, that sort of run throughout the universe, that flow throughout the world. For me they point to there being a God and, um, and I'm not the only person who holds that view. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you could probably break science down into a few different areas. So, so firstly, if we talk about cosmology um, and particularly looking at kind of the universe and, and everything that's in it, life and everything um, and the reason for it and the, and the origins of it. Um, you know, what, one of the Psalmists writes in Psalm 19 verse one, it says the heavens declare the glory of God in Romans one, Paul writes, and he says that, all of creation shows us that, that God exists, that God is real. And I can imagine the poet, like many of us, um, and he's doing this 3,000 years ago, but he's looking up at the same night sky that we look at today. Yeah. And in that, sees the evidence of God. And I don't think that's just a simplicity. You know, he, didn't, he wasn't educated. I think there's something about the scale and the beauty and the splendor and the size that just kind of blows our minds at times. And, um, and I think... That's a very significant thing. Our, our, and if anything, our smallness within the context of the universe now is understood far greater than it was then. I mean, we are tiny, tiny, seemingly insignificant specks in a massive universe, aren't we? Yeah, we really are. Um, yeah. That, Absolutely. That and I think, you know, it, it's one of those things when it comes to cosmology that actually we are, we are, it's almost naturally inbuilt in us. We're so awed when we see yeah. something magnificent. Yeah. Um, it's, it's almost like that stuff is supposed to elicit a reaction from us in a way it doesn't to the rest of creation. You know, you don't see animals kind of going to look at a waterfall, you know, they're not impressed by that. They're just looking for the water. They go um, to the watering hole, but they don't necessarily take in the glory of it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But for <laughs> us, there's something where, I mean, we travel to these things. They're tourist yeah. destinations because they're so magnificent. And I think sometimes in the West, we're lost by that because of, even with the sky, because of light pollution, if nothing yeah, else. Right. I remember being in Zambia, being in the middle of nowhere and laying on the top of the truck that we were traveling in, looking at the night sky, just in, I couldn't even describe it or try to because it was yeah, so magnificent. Mm. But actually, we've lost some of that. 
um, mm. in the West because so much of that is covered up by, you know, these vast plains of and hills covered with houses and stuff. You mm. know, the sky dulled because of um, because of uh, kind of man-made light. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some of that stuff that maybe we've lost, but actually it's, it's so awe-inspiring and so incredible. Massively. And why does it do that to us, you know? Yeah, there's something inbuilt, isn't there? I think, and and I think if you take cosmology then and you talk about the universe, I think you've got to boil it down to the question of origins. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how did the universe begin? And that is a massive question that's been wrestled with by scientists, philosophers for centuries, millennia, you know, um, the beginning of the universe. Where did it all begin? The cause and effect. Uh, and we understand the law of cause and effect. You know, nothing happens without there being something that, that causes it to happen, that brings about the the effect, you know, that something moves something else before that thing moves. There's got to be something that initiates it, that first mover. You know, if it's like if you walked into a pool hall and there's nobody else there and the, po- the ball's moving around on a table, that's just freaky. That doesn't happen. No. You think something's made those balls move. What is it? You know, and if there's not a person there, you start to get a bit freaked out. But and, and you know, naturally and scientifically, materially spe- speaking, the fact that universe came from nothing is a massive problem for science and for philosophy. It's a massive mm. problem all around. How can something come from nothing? Yeah. Um, and the, the Christian answer, the Judo-Christian answer, the biblical answer is that there must be a supernatural origin, that um, only God is eternal. He's an eternal being and he's outside of time. And we haven't got time to necessarily go into all of those different facets because people will say, well, who created God? But then if you're asking that question, then you're saying God was created, whereas the Bible states God is outside of that, and God is a creator that was uncreated. And if you keep coming back to who created God, you're always going to keep just infinitely asking the same question and come down to the same problem. Where does it all come from? Mm-hmm. How does something come from nothing? And and Genesis and John, when you read those two books in the Bible, those opening verses describe the fact that God was there in the beginning. He was around before the start, which is... Mm-hmm speaks of his eternal being Mm. Um, but if you take god out of the equation i think you're left with a it's a mystery with god in it (laughs) don't get me wrong but if you take god out of it i think it's even bigger mystery and even Mm. more difficult to to get our heads around and so you've got the origins element cosmology cause and effect and then on top of that you've got design and order which i don't think the big bang has helped um this whole thing of we look at the universe and we see within it design and we see within it order Hmm. And if the if the Big Bang is essentially the, the origins of the universe and everything in it is is the result of an explosion, I've not seen an explosion yet. I'm not seeing loads, but I've not seen an explosion yet that as from 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 it has come design and order. I would say <laughs> it does the exact opposite. It destroys and it brings disorder and chaos. Absolutely, yeah. we use uh, we we tend to use explosives to bring down buildings rather than to uh, yeah. to put them up in the first place. Yeah, let, let, let's let's make a, let's make a new council estate. Okay, get the bomb, you know, yeah. and <laughs> see what appears. Not how it works, is it? No, and and you know, it's almost like saying, oh yeah, let's get we, our kids were massively into Lego when when they were younger, less so now. But you kind of end up accumulating all these different Lego sets, and they all end up being put together in a bag or a box and you empty that out and it's almost like expecting to empty that out and, and a perfectly formed spaceship from one of the box sets that's all been randomly separated kind of falling into place and being produced as a result of you pouring it out it's just we, it's, it doesn't make sense no um and i think that's it it's, it's, and and this whole thing of order you know nature is not predisposed to order if if we leave the garden unattended or we if my wife leaves the garden unattended i do the brush <laughs> she does everything else 
it doesn't get nicer. It doesn't get more kind of like, it doesn't get more intricate and more ordered. Hmm. There's more and more disorder. And yet within the universe, within the earth, we see these influences of, of design and, and order. It's almost like walking through a woods. One philosopher said, if you walk through a woods and you pick up a rock, you can kind of imagine it could just come there, be, be there, has always been there, and it's, there's, there's nothing related to, to its design. But then further along, you walk along, you, you pick up, a, a, you find a pocket watch, and you've got the dial and the, the hands, and everything's moving, and it's got numbers, and you've got the metalwork of it. And it says, you can't look at that. You know, it's telling you the time accurately and everything, and it's beautiful. It fits beautifully into your pocket. It, you can't look at that and say that wasn't created. There's something about the fact that it was de de designed that way shows that there was a creator, an intelligence behind it being there rather than it just evolved or appeared because of a rock or because of an explosion. And, and I think all of those things are, are things that are very difficult for scientists to, to prove it in our universe, particularly around design and order. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you put some numbers to it as well, if you actually um, kind of look at it, as, it from a scientific perspective, a mathematical perspective, yeah. For, for the universe, not even our world, but for the universe itself to be fine-tuned in a way that would even allow life to exist. Mm. The odds, if you were to, to bet on it, are one part in 10 to the power of 10 to the power of 123. Now, I am not a mathematical, uh, I'm not mathematically minded generally, but yeah, my way, right. <laughs> that number is so incomprehensible. The yeah. way I heard it described, which was really helpful to kind of get my head around it, was that if you wrote one and then took a zero and put it on every single fundamental particle in the universe, so the bits that make up everything, you would still be massively short of that number. And with those odds, it is certainly not worth a fiver for a flutter. You know, maybe <laughs> I mean, maybe with the lottery, people will put a couple of quid on it. But with those kind of numbers, it's just, wow, that's amazing. It's just yeah, astronomically in, incomprehensible that the universe would be in the state that it's in by chance. Um, by yeah. chance, absolutely. Yeah. And you talked about life, and I think that's there's other stuff we could talk about design. Well, I think we'll come back to that when we get to talk about this again. But I think that whole thing of life as well, you know, you talked about the not only to sustain life, but to produce life. Hmm. You've got origins and cause and effect, you've got design and order, and then I think you've got biogenesis, the existence of life. And the fact is in basic science is that um only life begets life. You know, yeah. you learn this when you're five or six in school, this is like key stage one science, um, that you have things that are living and dead and non-living. And non-living can't be living or dead because it is in essence non-living. And yet for scientists, they have to work out the origins of life and it boils down to having to come from non-living chemicals somehow forming life that has yeah. never been reproduced has never been proven. Yes, they've made amino acids or, you know, they've, they've sort of scientifically charged electricity into uh, various, I don't know, solutions and compounds or whatever else, but but the, to produce life from something that's inert and lifeless or non-living is just, mm. it's it's a big, big problem to yeah. answer. And so for me, those those things of origins and, and cause and effect, number one, the things of, um, therefore, order and design coming out of, of something that's random and, and by chance, and then from that producing something that not only originates but sustains life. Yeah. I think you've got three massive issues that you've got to try and answer. And to me, God is a really legitimate answer to those three things exactly. um, being, you know, be, being um, 
why we're here and, and how we're here. And then and then and then I think just talking about people and, and human beings, you know, moving it away a little bit to just then how we're wired, you know, as, as human beings, our ability to reason, our desire to worship, our capacity to love, whatever love is, to have free will, to have a consciousness, the our leaning towards spirituality and incredible creativity, our morality, all of those things make us unique from all other animals and, and creatures on the planet. And yeah, and the Bible says we were made in God's image. So <clears throat> for me, that's again something that is interesting and, and points to God. And the natural materialistic explanation for all of these things has to boil down to simple electronic pathways, neural pathways, biochemistry, you know, electrons bumping into one another to produce all of these things. And yet, even if you just take something like human consciousness, it's almost impossible to define, impossible to measure. No one yeah. can locate it. Um, but the fact that we have the sense of morality, the fact that we have this sense of self-awareness, the awareness of our universe, our ability to reason and to reason together, and all of those things, surely that to be just boiled down to a physical um, material existence of atoms and molecules that create all those things, I find quite hard to to swallow, to be honest. And yeah, and, and, our, and our spirituality, that sense of there being something more um, than us, and this desire to explore and to find out what that is, mm-hmm. um, that's for, for me permeates through every culture throughout history. It's always been there. Yeah, and, you know, the Bible kind of communicates this beautifully. It says that God has planted eternity in every human heart or in the human yeah. heart, and there's this in every human or certainly in, in every culture. There's this desire to uh, and longing for more. This sense that there's more to life than what we feel and see and hear now and that there's something or someone out there that's greater than us and yeah. that's important yeah and i do think that one of the one of the other facets of humanity um is that i think it's very obvious and, and this really does span across a lot of you know all life really is that there is this desire to avoid pain and discomfort and change a lot of the time I think one of the challenges is that Jesus did come when he came, he said, and he identified, look, there is a problem with humanity Mm. um, that in people, there is something that needs to change. And here's how it can be changed. I've come to fix that issue. Um, And if you don't deal with that issue of sin of of that separateness from god then there are consequences to that Mm. that that all of us will experience. And, and I do understand in that mentality, why, humanity has then maybe looked for other explanations of existence because in the face of difficulty and change because jesus jesus does say like this isn't um come to me and i'll make everything perfect for you he says there are sacrifices to make there are changes to make and i think when they're when humanity is faced with potential challenges discomfort changes it wants to find a reason not to do that and not to make those decisions yeah it wants the easy out and so I think we have to be really honest with ourselves of why we don't want to believe. Is it that we're looking at the evidence and we say we don't believe it or when faced with the evidence and then faced with the decision we'd need to make in light of the evidence, are we thinking, I don't actually want my life to look like that. I don't want to make the changes that believing in Jesus would would need me to make. Mm. And I think if that's your decision, then fair enough. But at least let's be honest with ourselves to say, Mm why we don't believe not just well this is completely implausible yeah yeah that's a really good point and and i think the evidence goes into then the the christian church in that there have been men and women who have made that decision to believe they've you know counting the cost there is a cost to 
to believe in these things and to giving yourself to these things. Um, yeah. But the the in that this this understanding, this faith, this this certainty that God exists um, is, although anecdotal in some ways, you could argue, is as has happened across the globe throughout history. Yeah. Swathes of men and women and children have embraced the Christian faith, have believed that there's a God, have encountered God through faith in Jesus Christ, and have faced incredible difficulties as a result of that. But yeah. they've stuck to their guns. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, being a Christian, particularly in the early church, you know, reading yeah. the Bible, I think people, again, they look in the West, look at Christians, and actually life is relatively easy for a Christian. Yeah. Um, whereas the majority of the world is not like that. To be a yeah. Christian means persecution, means yeah. expulsion from your natural family, means expulsion from your culture. You know, for the 12 apostles, they were all martyred. They were all killed in horrible ways for their faith. And yet were faithful to the end and so many other christians i went to see the Colosseum a while ago um and you know basically the history of the Colosseum is hugely here's all the christians that died here mm. um here's how all these christians yeah. were tortured and put to death for their faith and so it you know you have to look at that and take it seriously it's not just anecdotal these are witness statements these are people who have said i've seen something and actually it meant enough for me that i would die for it and yes. that's huge Absolutely. And then, you know, you take the Bible, something like the Bible, you know, a book that's the bestseller has been for a long, long time is still the best selling book on the planet. Wins that poll every month does doesn't get reported because it there's no point. But um, <laughs> uh, the talks about who God is, talks about our life, our origins, our purpose, our identity and finds all of that. And, and we'll talk more about the Bible. I think it's important that we talk about why we should trust the Bible, because that's yeah. another question that's leveled. Um Christianity how can you trust the Bible it's full of inconsistencies etc etc so we'll talk about that but but the the, the pointing to to Jesus and uh, you know the, the evidence of the Bible the power of the Bible what the Bible actually does teach us and show us this incredible wisdom that was kind of imparted over a, a thousand years that was sort of sealed 2,000 years ago but still speaks today um, and the way that people have seen the, the evidence of that in their lives and then and then within that, the the person that the whole Bible points to anyway is Jesus. Yeah. And coming back to that first question of God, why didn't God show himself? Why doesn't he come and appear and say, here I am? Well, the, the truth is he has done that. He did that in the person of Jesus Christ, his son. Um, we're not going to talk again about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and the, the Godhead or the Trinity again. That's maybe something we can come back to at a later point <laughs> when we're a lot smarter. But, um, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus came he was god made flesh um that the evidence of his life and existence is not just limited to the bible there are many other historical references including tacitus who was a roman historian and josephus who was a, a jewish historian both uh, venerated and respected um ancient historians um and and i find it incredible and it probably will finish on this is um that the effect of one man's life a guy who lived in the middle east two thousand years ago he taught um, he spoke to crowds, he reportedly performed miracles, he healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he helped the poor, he got his, uh, got involved with the outcasts of society, those who were regarded as sinners, challenged the religious elite. He had no advantages, seemingly no title, rank, financial backing, and then he suffered this cruel and humiliating death by crucifixion at the age of 33 after three years of a public kind of ministry, if you like. Mm -hmm. and And what that life... <laughs> <laughs> the impact that life has had on the world ever since is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and as you said, his disciples died for believing in him and and, and saying, no, he's alive. They they died for that. 
mm. um, and not just one of them, but essentially all of them, maybe apart from John, mm. um, they all faced severe Jewish and Roman punishment and persecution, as did Christians after them. And, and here we are, 2,000 years later, 2,000 miles away, talking about him. And, you know, post come, come to Easter, where we're we going to be talking about that he died on the cross, but that he rose again and that he's alive. And and a God in Christ, in Jesus, came to show us what God is like, not only to prove that he's real, but also to show us what he's like. And yeah. um, and we'll come back to that. But for me, that's you got to take that seriously. You know, the the impact of this man's life on the rest of history is something that I think we all have to, to take seriously. Definitely. That is all we've got time for today we have rushed through and as a whistle stop tour of some of these things but actually in the next few episodes of 21 questions we are going to be picking up some of these topics we've talked about in more detail we're going to plumb some uh, some of these things so we're going to be looking at science uh, the bible and jesus so look out for those and we will see you next time thanks a lot thank you guys see you